So, as everyone knows, we are doing Swapcast again today. I am super excited. We have some guests on, starting with Justice, who y'all may remember used to be part of the Swap family. Yes. I love this little, like, uh, this sort of circle back because when I uh, uh, was doing an interview to volunteer for the board, guess who interviewed me? (laughs) And now here you are. But you have a book. You have some homies with you. Oh, my goodness. Justice, what is going on? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here and definitely to always will be part of the SWAT family. That's a lot of my heart is with you all. So um, so this has been exciting to circle back around because for the last three years, actually part of why I had to leave the SWAT board is because I had a uh, Soros Justice Fellowship and um, have just been writing, writing, writing for the past couple years. Um, and that uh, writing project has really kind of evolved in two different directions. So the first is is that um, I ended up writing a memoir called Candy Coded, and I really hope that will be published soon. Mm -hmm. Um, But what has been published is Towards Bodily Autonomy, a healing justice anthology decolonizing sex work and drug use. And that's what we're here to talk about today um, because we're about 20, a collective of about 20 uh, different activists and healers and writers um, who who identify as BIPOC or mixed race, Um, who are talking about a continuum between harm reduction and healing justice and um, really created a a book that illustrates the need to be united partners in liberation Mm -hmm. um, because it really shows how the struggles for sex worker rights and the struggle to end the war on drugs and repro rights and LGBTQ liberation are all about the same thing and have the same racist root and how we really need to center racial equity and be united in the ways that we are moving forward and trying to find liberation. And so we look back um, to be able to discuss our our current context, and then we start to look forward. And um, I think one of the things that makes the anthology really amazing is that it's both tangible and visionary. And so it starts, um, like I said, by looking back, it has a timeline looking at the ways in which all the different wars on bodily autonomy borrow from each other, Mm -hmm. and how when one ceases to be effective, another is used. And it's really all about trying to um, control and subject gates, um, migration, and, and ultimately bodies of color. Um, and then we look at some of those nitty-gritty harm reduction um, harm reduction interventions, also some of the uh, consistent narratives around how we can address the war on trafficking. And we move all the way to what it would look like to reclaim some of our ancestral practices, what sacred um, sex and sacred substance use look like, and um, you know what that looks like in a sex worker context. So it's really, it's for sex workers, it's for sex work organizers, it's for our allies and other movements and service providers who work with us. Um, and it's just, uh, I think it's a really amazing work. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to call myself the collectrix of this project. I love that. I love that. And can you introduce your co-hosts? Well, I guess co-hosts, co-visitors, co-fans, co-friends, co-family with us? Yeah, absolutely. And I know they're going to do a, a better job of talking about their badassery. Um, but <laughs> I, if I could put it in words. Um, so this is also, I think, I think that one of the coolest parts about uh, this project is I was like, wow, there's some really amazing people who are already writing about and doing this work. And, um, you know, let, let's like become part of something together. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. So uh, Mona, Nadia, I've known Mona. Uh, we used to be in Seattle together. Now we have both moved on. Um, but an 
amazing um, sex worker and healer and does a lot of amazing organizing and activist things in um, in their life and I'll let them talk a little bit about that and so should we should we start with you Mona? Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Justice, and thanks a lot for, for having this conversation. Um, my name is Mona. I use she, her pronouns. I'm now in Minneapolis, but formerly shared space with Justice in Seattle. Um, was also part of the SWAP family at one point as a contractor for the Seattle chapter. So um, grateful to be here. Um, I contributed the piece um, in part four of the anthology uh, and it's called Fuck Myself Into Heaven mm -hmm. about kind of my own spiritual journey through sex work and kink and polyamory and drug use and how all of those things really contributed to my own healing mm -hmm. and um, and sort of encourages folks to um, use that as a, as a story to you know, lean into their own divinity and to find it within each other. Um, and um, yeah, really grateful to have been part of this project mm -hmm. and to work with Justice and all of these other really badass creators. So thanks. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That sounds amazing. And I'm really glad that as we're like progressing with sex work conversations, um, that basically we're finally sort of like connecting all these dots because I always feel like we always say we should but we kind of like don't so like I'm, I'm actually loving that like but now it's in book format we can all read it together <laughs> and then we also had Amira yes um my name is Amira Barakat Al-Baladi I contributed the piece Sacred Stripper Intersections of Religion Sex Work Culture and Consent okay um I'm the founder of Heaven on Earth Holistic Healing for Hoes a holistic healing community for sex workers and survivors and our allies, um, a space where we can be honored as natural healers, uh, bringing the, bringing sex worker consciousness to the spiritual community, mm -hmm. um, and spiritual community consciousness to the sex work community. So I, I support sex workers in pursuing careers as spiritual workers. Okay, that's awesome. I love that. I'm so glad to meet all of you and everything that you're doing sounds fantastic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the process of how uh, this all came to be? Sure, I'll start. I also realized I got so excited talking about the book, I didn't actually do a, a real introduction of myself. So, Oh, also uh, do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll back up. I, uh, that's my ADHD brain, like five steps ahead. <laughs> but um, let's see, I'm Justice Rivera. I use she, they, AIA pronouns, and I identify as a queer Jurican um, who is currently uh, between um, occupied Duwamish territory in Seattle and occupied Puerto Rican territory that used to belong to the Tainos and um, I am all about Puerto Rico Libre get out US um, but uh, I also am a partner with Reframe Health and Justice. We are a, a consulting collective of um, queer BIPOC femmes who work with organizations who have heart to deepen practices of care, collaboration, compassion. And we're one of the only um, national 
like uh, trainers or SIBA providers on sex worker-centered harm reduction or mm-hmm. um, you know service providers being able to be sex worker sensitive. That's kind of a lot of what I do uh, during my daytime life and publicly identify as a former um, survival sex worker. And um, yeah, the process, the process of this book, I mean, it, it was, I mean, it's definitely been an evolution. And so it's been really beautiful seeing where it goes. And I think that's like really any creative process, right? We can't confine that. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to let it breathe and see what it grows to be. And I'm, I'm really proud of what this has grown to be. And so um, it started really as me trying to write a, a narrative nonfiction. Um, so, you know, some of my favorite narrative nonfictions are The um, Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, mm-hmm. really, really good one. Um, I think we've seen some like High Price by Dr. Carl Hart, like some, some of those right um and so i started doing something where i was like how do i weave my own narrative with some of these like promising practices Mm -hmm. right um and as i was doing that i one realized i have a memoir in me and two i was like there are too many amazing bipoc sex workers and activists and healers and writers who are in this space and i also think that there's like a new generation of us coming up right because if you think about abolitionist writers there's you think about shira hassan um adrian marie brown andrea ritchie amazing amazing miriam kava right like amazing Mm -hmm. amazing people who like we grew grew up like reading and listening to and all of that and i'd like to think of us as the as the next wave in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways right and so um the the process really was one in which um it, it actually was kind of informed by my own life and my and my memoir right okay because i was like okay here's some of the things that um i would really love to uh have folks write about and so i reached out to some people in my network or for certain um for certain essays i put something out on social media which still ended up being people in my network right but it was just like hey who wants to write something about this like general topic right Right. so i tried not to really confine it too much um and and so people wrote uh there's like timelines there's articles there's poems there's prompts and really uh folks kind of took it in whatever direction they wanted Mm -hmm. um and then we went back and forth a few times and anything i wrote other people edited anything they wrote i edited um and then at the end we had all these essays and we were like how do we put them together (laughs) and then then we did that as a collective we said okay how about this this and this and um paola khan who isn't who isn't here right now is like a title genius like okay they named a lot of stuff in the book and um, and that's how it came together so that was that was like the process as the, as the collectrix but i'd love to hear about your all's writing process so for me the piece i had submitted was actually like started with the the bones of like a, a much shorter um less interesting story that i for the longest time had published on my website um, as like a blog post. Um, I used to have this blog called um, uh, Musings and Other Hooker Nonsense. Okay. Um, And so it was, you know, some poems and some, you know, just just musings and hooker nonsense. Um, And it included this this little personal narrative about kind of my journey through polyamory and the things I was thinking as I was um, starting to really dive deeper into full sort of sex work and like what all of those things kind of internally meant to me. And so I was really excited to be approached by Justice for this because 
I already kind of had, um, like I said, the bones of, of something that I was really interested in, in kind of exploring further and developing. And so for me, it was really like, look at this story, find the elements that still resonated with me, which not all of it did, right? Mm -hmm. Because our stories are just snapshots of who we are in a, in a time and place. Right. Um, and so figuring out what of that was still true, what of that was still, I was still grappling with, um, and what, which parts of this could really help contribute to this narrative of decolonization and, um, you know, healing and um, all of those things. And so um, I had a, a blast really writing, writing this and really kind of in real time thinking about um, my own journey and reframing that into, into, into this piece. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, for me, it was, it was really iterative. I think the story continues for me to be iterative and you know maybe in in five years we'll have a, a version two where some of this is is updated but i think um i think it was it was a really amazing opportunity to just continue to understand myself and my mm -hmm. own work and my own positionality so i'm really grateful for the project for allowing that i love that that sounds amazing Yeah, and Amira? It kind of came at the perfect time. I'm trying to remember what the time actually was because it's all a blur. <laughs> but <laughs> it was really cool to be able to tell the story of how I came to be someone that teaches other people how to heal um, and how to become a professional healer when you've already been technically a professional healer as a sex worker. Mm -hmm. um, and then like all the threads of my culture, my religion, and the the title is Sacred Stripper, Intersections of Religion, Sex Work, Culture, and Consent. Okay. And so to be able to like describe those intersections in a creative way was really fun and cool. I'm really happy with the essays. I feel like it just describes so many different parts of my experience and weaves them together mm -hmm. where a lot of people will either be like, oh, spirituality, that's just nonsense or right, whatever. Right. And, and then on the other side, a lot of people will be like, sex work, that's, that's sacrilegious. That's mm -hmm. so bad. But there's so many people that know that these things go together and they have gone together for a long time. And even just for us to be able to make sense of some of our own experiences, like, no, you're not crazy. That really happened. You really did that. Yes, you really stopped time. Yes, you really sped up time. <laughs> yes, you really casted out that demon out of that person. You know, yes, you really did shield yourself to be able to walk through hell and not get burned. Um, and just honoring that that's real and that's, it's not new. And it sounds like, um, it's always so interesting to me because when I'm, whenever I'm in sex worker spaces, it always seems like there's, um, a lot of people who are actually quite religious or quite spiritual in some way. And I think a lot of people don't assume that. I think that like there's the, 
sort of assumption that because like people see sex work in and of itself as a moral that they also like assume sex workers are like atheists for some reason <laughs> like for some reason people seem to like make this sort of bizarre connection it's always interesting to me because a great great many sex workers i know are um incredibly spiritual in terms of their beliefs and their practices but it doesn't seem like that's ever um really considered by the mainstream you know in, in putting the book together, uh, like, w yeah, what, what would be, like, the largest challenge uh, in any roadblocks or anything? Oh, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say one of the things that I found, uh, you know, uh, was just how, like, honestly screwed up the traditional publishing industry is. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's, I think that there's been some really amazing offshoots and like smaller publishing presses that have uh, opened recently. And a lot of, a lot of it, right, is like folks of color and queer and trans folks going on their own and out on their own. And it's, I mean, it's really just like any industry that's, that's incredibly dominated by like cishet white men <laughs> for the most part. And, um, just to get in it's really really hard right because if you don't know anyone you have to submit to a slush pile and ghosting is is just like a very normal part of the industry mm -hmm. um, and so you know even with with the connections we got it was interesting because our book i i think one of the the more more consistent compliments i've gotten from our community is that our book is really it's it's accessible right so it's mm -hmm. not too academic but it is an in, informational in a lot of ways but in the in terms of the traditional publishing industry, it either, it was not academic enough for academic uh, presses that were never actually going to carry us anyway, right? Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And then for the traditional publishing presses, it was too academic. And, um, and so we tried that route for a while. And at some point, I think we were just like, you know, why, right? Like, why would we do, why would we sell control of mm -hmm. our work of art, right, to this, like, mostly male and like white dominated space that's going to give us just like a little bit of money and then take control of it you know right and so we've had control of our project the whole time through hmm. and um, that has been both really beautiful and just really challenging in a lot of ways right and so like learning how to build our own like we sell the book through our own website which is just www.towardsbodilyautonomy.com mm -hmm. um, and so setting up different payment processors for that and promoting it and since we didn't go the traditional publishing route um, we aren't in bookstores across the u.s I mean, we just don't have, you know, uh, access to distributors. And so it, we are really grateful for the bookstores who have been carrying us. It's really just taking, you know, reaching out to them one on one. Mm -hmm. So there's several bookstores in Seattle and uh, Denver and Minneapolis and Milwaukee. We have we have some places that are showing up hard and we really hope to grow that network. It's also available in the four different parts on Amazon, but also one difficult thing and one I'm sure that you and our listeners are not going to be shocked about is that um, um, the online sales sites like Amazon's algorithms are burying us. Um, and actually, I've heard from people that they can't even post their reviews because they're getting banned by sensitivity filters. Yep. Sensitivity filters won't let you say sex work 
or drug use, right? And so, um, so that's been, and that will show you like why the traditional publishing streams weren't available to us anyway. And so, just like any any sex worker project, um, right, or any BIPOC project, we had to go out our own, and we're experiencing some of those hard hard parts about that. And so, you know, we really ask readers like, please keep trying to leave us reviews. Um, mm-hmm. We can post those on our website as well. But we we essentially have a banned book here, <laughs> and we're uh, and we're like you know really trying to fight against that. But I think that's been one of the most challenging parts for me well it maybe i'm being a little predictable here but it seems that puritanical misogyny and capitalism kind of got in the way there yeah absolutely And I also noticed uh, I was um, up upstairs uh, just do, doing a bit of, you know, the due diligence, I think they call it. Yes. And um, there's also a GoFundMe up to translate the book to Spanish. And, yeah, uh, thank so... you so much for bringing that up. And so since we did get to have complete control of our book, we keep all the proceeds as a project. So um, no one of us is getting paid for this. We all take and we keep it just to continue the project on and on. And so we've decided as a group that our next, uh, the next thing we want to do is to translate it into Spanish and have it available in Spanish. And so um, we're probably about, I'd say $3,000 away from that. Nice. Um, and so, you know, just buying, buying our book helps us get there donating to the fundraiser which is on our website helps us get there we really appreciate that and then i've also heard that folks really want an audio uh version an audible version and so we'll we're gonna do that one day too you know that's so, amazing uh, that's really exciting but this is a start right i think this is our this, this yes. is the start. let's really emphasize that too you said you're only about three thousand away so when we put the link up when folks go to that link do not feel discouraged and click away they're closer than it looks on the face on the website. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, also I uh, I noticed that you are you're no stranger to the pen. Uh, an article called "Weed Washing" uh, by Justice Rivera, uh, somewhere around what might be my old stomping grounds. <laughs> uh, uh, a little bit from this article here, if you could speak to this, uh, uh, paragraph three. Uh, What is happening in Seattle mirrors tactics taken by the Israeli government to draw attention away from racist practices by highlighting progressive LGBTQ policies. Specifically, it is reminiscent of Israeli government propaganda that diverts attention away from Palestinian occupation and violence by leveraging the country's openness and support of LGBTQ adoption to say, see, we aren't homophobic. Earning it the name pinkwashing, similarly, weed washing is where cities pass more liberal drug policy reform measures while diverting attention away from expansions in policing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you speak to that any further? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear the other thoughts on this, too, right? Because we're all we're all doing this work. Yeah. so yeah, I mean, very similar to pinkwashing, right? It's this idea that we can really just, uh, we can, especially in neoliberal places, right? We can further one cause without actually addressing racism and in fact, really further ingraining it, right? And so if, if we look at weed washing, if we look at some of these um, neoliberal cities and um, they're the cities that were funded by an anti-prostitution funder to be able to expand 
and the war on trafficking, but all of those areas were, except there were a couple in the South and like this, you know, I feel like there's some areas that just don't need an excuse to be racist, right? Mm -hmm. And then, but it's really fascinating, especially these liberal cities, right? Seattle, LA, Oakland, Boston, right? Where we're looking and we're like, wow, this is really interesting because they're, they're passing these, you know, quote unquote, liberal drug policy reform measures. Uh, but at the same time, some of the uh, ways that those same black and brown communities that are most impacted by the war on drugs are being further surveilled and controlled under the war on trafficking. It's, I mean, and that's that's why I was saying at the beginning, right? Like when one of these ideological wars ceases to be effective, mm -hmm. then America's just gonna use another one. And that's yep. why I think it's really important. Like I, I don't think I've ever been in a sex worker space where sex worker outreach programs are not doing drug harm reduction, right? right. Like we right. pass out syringes, we pass out naloxone. We want to end the war on drugs. However, the other way around, it gets complicated. I go to repro spaces, I go to drug policy reform spaces and people are just like, oh yeah, well, you know, crack down on the traffickers. I'm like, do you understand how many sex workers are getting pandering charges right now, mm -hmm. right? And What's happening is that, um, and this was really intentional by, um, by Swami Hunt's organization, Demand Abolition, and they came in and when the police and prosecutors were now not getting, you know, marijuana's been legalized and they're now not getting all of this money that they were getting to do drug enforcement in black and brown communities, um, and Demand Abolition comes in and they say, you know what, we're going to give you funding to expand the war on trafficking by surveying black and brown communities, mm -hmm. right? And in those places, we're seeing laws that start to conflate sex work and trafficking. Yeah. Um, so in but like in Massachusetts, they've taken force, fraud, and coercion, the elements that make trafficking out of their trafficking code, which just is consensual sex work, right? Exactly. So exactly. And same with Seattle, where we have um we're we're calling solicitation, basically that's just, you know, being a client of a sex worker that used to just be a petty misdemeanor and we're calling it um sexual exploitation. And then most of the people who are getting that charge are uh people who don't have documentation and are getting deported. And so it's really just a smoke and mirrors way of being able to continue all of this uh racist enforcement. And I know you two, Mona and Amir, are seeing a lot of this too, so I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on it. Wow, that's sharp focus. Daria, just once, why can't you smile when somebody takes your picture? I don't like to smile unless I have a reason. Daria, people judge you by your expression. Yes, and I believe there is something intrinsically wrong with that system. Yeah, I mean, I know this is a little crass and also outdated, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, I, just when you were talking, Justice, it reminded me of like, this is the same kind of thing that we've seen for a long time where it seems like the country or individual states are really moving forward in what, you know, philanthropies will call like multiracial democracy, right? But like we we elected Obama, so racism is fixed, right? Mm -hmm. Like yes. it's it's not like more people got bombed and were killed under Obama than, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just a continuation of the same like liberal kind of tactics that, that are really meant to kind of distract from 
the actual things that are that are going on yes. such that the masses have this kind of idea that everything is okay definitely definitely amira did you have thoughts as well um it's pretty interesting because within my work supporting sex workers um i don't really get into the um, legislative aspect too much because we just go straight to the ancient curses uh-huh. <laughs> the ancient curses behind it all um which is like you know sex slavery wage slavery colonialism racism generational poverty like and it's like it's looking from and from looking at it as an ancient viewpoint and looking at this ancient caste system ancient global caste system like it's like there's all these different like you said like like justice said like there's all there's they're just ha- they have one goal and they'll try to sell it to the people however they need to to accomplish it but what's really behind it is slavery it's like massive global widespread slavery um and everybody fits into it in whatever way their caste that they belong to is supposed to fit into it in this system so Mm -hmm. like for sex workers there's reasons why there's like so much drug use and within sex work because and there's like all these different things like there's reasons why so many sex workers are people of color queer people and trans people like all these things kind of make us who we are like um ancestrally and for generations and in our past lives and throughout all throughout all of time and space so like it's really frustrating that um that's just not even seen by the majority of people and that it seems like crazy and you'll actually be institutionalized if you go that way and think mm-hmm. that way. Um, and it does feel very limiting and frustrating. Um, and I really appreciate y'all bringing up the global aspect of it. That, like these are the same tactics that colonial governments are using yep. all over the world because mm-hmm. they're working, they're on the same team, they're coworkers. So whatever tactics they have to use, um, but I really appreciate the the underlying, like the way that we can use our spiritual gifts to like attack the underlying curses that are affecting us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if I may um, uh, uh, keep keep the microphone to Amira here, uh, when you bring a, a a spiritual aspect, a outlook, if you will, uh, uh, to to the to the discourse, to the activism, do you tend to face up? Uh, pushback backlash or even general rudeness or or is that accepted rather quickly uh definitely the first thing Mm. (laughs) yeah a lot of pushback i mean a lot of people i i I have a background in community organizing um before i ever really like i was an atheist i was agnostic i was skeptic and um i discovered my spiritual gifts through being a sex worker through like my dreams, keeping me safe and using, you know, I started to discover certain things using crystals to like draw money and keep bad energy away. And a a lot of it was my dreams and they just started teaching me a lot of things. And I didn't know when I started doing sex work that I was actually like, it's actually who I am. 
if you look at my astrology birth chart, it's all over that. And when I started looking at my past lives, my ancestral memory and my genetics, that it's like, this is actually generational and it's actually been going on for a long time. Not only that, but I'm Palestinian and Mary Magdalene is one of the most famous prostitutes of all time. Mm -hmm. um, and so this type of stuff is always, like it's always buried, it's never talked about. And it's like certain people can channel the Magdalene codes and <laughs> they can, you know, get famous and popular doing these things, but it's never like people don't really ever apply it to us. So it's just, it, I just find it interesting. I find it very telling. Um, even for me personally, I've, I have a ritual that's called the healing mind control ritual which I've used for like the past five years straight. And I and I use the, the ritual to clear mind control for myself because all of us, like if you were raised in the United States and you went through K through 12, that's 13 years of brainwashing mm -hmm. where we're taken from our parents and we're indoctrinated into this culture, this toxic system. So this is how it operates is it uses people as its foot soldiers. So then they'll stop people from saying certain things or doing certain things that would mean more freedom for all of us. Because if your livelihood is attached to this system, then you're gonna fight other people to protect it because that means your survival. And that's right. one of the things that's so threatening about sex workers and anybody that lives on the fringes of society that makes their money from the streets or however is that you're not reliant on the system, so you don't have the incentive to protect it. Now, before I throw to an op-ed and um, and back to uh, Justice Rivera, um, Amira, we're not closing the episode, it's not over, but uh, would it be all right if you have the time to come back to the program and do an episode focusing specifically on the spirituality? I'd love to, thank you. I am so excited for that invitation too. I will definitely be listening to that one. Um, and I just also wanna say like to piggyback on that, I think um, a lot of, of what Amir is talking about, a lot of what Towards Bodily Auto Autonomy talks about is being able to start applying healing justice frameworks to the things that, that we're doing, right? To yes. our organizing and a lot of what that looks like, right? And, and Amir is talking about some of the specific practices and the manifestations of that. But if we're talking about that and, and the need for that is because we cannibalize each other, right? And that's all a result of, um, you know, of oppression. Yeah. Um, and I just think, you know, being in sex worker spaces, being in um, being in like queer and, and trans liberation spaces, like we end up really just cannibalizing each other. And when we're in service spaces, right, it's all about making sure that our our participants, right, have what they need. But um, as as cultures, as organizations, as groups, we don't really tend to ourselves and tend to each other. And in fact, there's this like, you know, kind of nonprofit mindset that mm -hmm. we just gotta like go, go, go and hustle and hustle and hustle at the expense of ourselves, right? For 
the for the work that we do and for each other. And um, I've had some just really nasty interactions, both organizing and as a consultant, right? Where uh, I think that it's just like, you can start to open with, uh, with vulnerability, with energetically clearing, with calling in our ancestors. Like there's so many different ways that we can start to infuse healing practices into our spaces. And it all really comes down to taking some intentionality, caring for ourselves, and then extending that care to the people around us and not just far away from us, right? Because the need is way greater than us, but really being able to find find that connection and to, to like center healing and everything we do. Yes. And can I just say, I super love that you said that because I really do find that to be a problem in a lot of these organizing spaces is people have really fallen for that sort of... Um, like scarce, uh, like there's scarce resources mindset. So it's like we have to fight each other tooth and nail because there's only this one crumb and I have to get there first, like to a point that we've forgotten. There's a whole ass table right behind us, above us. We're just not allowed at that table. So it's like, let's knock over the table and, you know, sort of redistribute things from that way. But yeah, I really do appreciate that, you know, we're having this conversation because that is something I find to be really common. And I think a lot of it, um, even though it's really hurtful and can sometimes even be like abusive and traumatic, I think a lot of that behavior stemming from fear that if you don't get the resources that you're going to fail your immediate community or you're going to fail yourself you know and like failing your community can really be like a life and death situation so it's like amazing to me um how easily we can forget other people's humanity if we're moving from like a fear-based situation you know so like that really does speak to the importance of not only reframing how we see it and how we allocate resources and like knowing that there's enough there is no scarcity right but also how can we bring healing into this so we can start treating each other better with a sense of community and the way the com these communities overlap you know so like I'm, I'm so glad that we're talking about this this is a wonderful conversation <laughs> Yes, um, so I think I would call this an op-ed uh, from Jose Solis. I don't know, you've come across this one already? Okay, I, I noticed this part, if uh, you could speak to this uh, a little, about four paragraphs in. Um, uh, they say, quote, Rivera states uh, that the anthology has a hopscotch quality to it, and readers can jump back and forth according to their mood and interest, as if they were navigating a choose-your-own-adventure narrative the opening timeline sets the stage for everything to come, and I wouldn't skip it if I were you. Uh, whatever path you take, I read the anthology chronologically, which sometimes made for a harrowing experience. Uh, is that a, a, an accurate uh, description? Or? Yeah, I actually, uh, so that's a body.com um review which i really appreciated it was just uh it was a really glowing review and also the body.com has some amazing folks jose is an amazing writer steven's an amazing writer some like amazing folks writing for the body.com and um yeah i don't know maybe that's a generational thing like i love choose your own adventure things i'm i'm like trying to write a revenge fantasy right now where i'm like <laughs> maybe i should just kill this man off several different times over and you can choose which one you know like so maybe it's, i'm just like a big fan of this but yeah i mean that's one of the reasons i love anthologies right is mm -hmm. uh as you can kind of hop around and um that's why we also put it out online in parts we're like we want to make this as accessible as possible to right. folks and i mean a lot of the trainings that that we do as reframe for organizations that you know have a higher price point are, are written into this anthology which you can get for anywhere between five and like 25 bucks right now you know and so we're just like really trying to to make it accessible to our community um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
like we shed light on some shit. Yes. Not sugarcoating this, and uh, and so I think that can be kind of uh, kind of rough to digest. And um, I, you know, I I mean, it's a lot of what y'all had said, right? Like we're talking about some of the harms of capitalism and colonialism, in which like no matter what we, role we play, right, we're all kind of like complicit in and. Um, and so, you know, there's even one part, I think it's at, at the end of the mechanics of the sex trade article that I wrote. And I was just like, this was a lot, y'all. Like, you don't have to drink the Kool-Aid. Notice the parts in you that are pushing back. Notice where things are settling in, like really sit in your body mm-hmm. and and notice where information is, is going and what your reactions are. And like, go take care of yourself, right? You don't, you don't need to sit and read this all the way through. You can hop around. Um, and, you know, as someone who, who contributed to uh, articles to, the you know, part one through three, I love part four the most because that's the shit that's visionary. And like, if I think about how it makes my body feel, like I mm-hmm. vibrate reading that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really cool to me. But yeah, I encourage folks like, you know, we don't have to push all the way through. And I think sometimes reading a book from start to finish is is just, you know, one of those things Amira was talking about, what we were told we had to do in elementary school. And so, um, you know, we I think of this more as a piece of art um, that you can consume how, however you really want. Um, so, yeah. I do appreciate, like, the irony of that is that since it's coming from the perspective of sex workers, it's coming from um, these sort of on the fringe spaces in society like of course the book isn't written in a like traditional format of like you have to start here and you have to end there like choose your own adventure of course if a bunch of people in these groups were to write a book this is how it would be so i also appreciate that like it brings a certain um like level of authenticity to the whole thing you know and like there's something very cool about that yeah, and you want like, and you want to get in on that before it gets corporatized and they turn it into 16 bars oh god <laughs> yeah Yes. yes. I, honestly, I always felt like it would be self-published because of all these things, you know, like the topic and who created it. I love it. Hmm. Let's see. Please, please. Oh. I know I've seen you making notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, d- I was actually making notes about bookstores, but now I'm like, I don't know. Like, like well, let's hopscotch, I guess. We're hopscotching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As you were talking about, of course, we can get it on your website, but I was going to ask, um, is it better to order it on your website or is it better to order it from bookstores that are carrying it? And then also, if it is better to order it from bookstores, does it happen to be at Blue Stockings, Red Emma's, or Haymarket? Because those are three bookstores I love. (laughs) Just asking. Oh my gosh, we need to get in, get in with those. Uh, Thank you, 100% need to get in with those. Um, Yeah, you know, I, if you purchase this is kind of one of those, if you purchase from us, right? Like the the way to purchase it so that we get most of the proceeds is gonna be through our website. Mm-hmm. However, support local bookstores, right? And, and those are the bookstores that we're in. So uh, right now we are in several bookstores in Seattle. We're in Elliott Bay, we're in Ada's and we're about to be in third place books. Okay. We're at the erotic bookstore, um, the tool shed in Milwaukee. Um, we're in ooh, Minneapolis. Mona, remind me of the name of the bookstore. Moon Palace Books. Yeah, Moon Palace Avalanche Bookstore, Palace, Minneapolis. Yeah. We're about to be in Tattered Cover in Denver starting in June. Um, we have a, a in-person reading that we're doing there. I think it's June 21st. So if you're in Denver, okay. we'll, uh, 
possibly putting some of some of that promo on my social media, um, on my Insta and Twitter. So I'm at Justice underscore rights on insta and at unjustice underscore rights on twitter so follow me for the promo there i try to update the website to say where we're gonna be but sometimes i forget about that but um yeah we're expanding so like if you want me if you want us in a bookstore just like send me the name of it and what it takes for me is is just reaching out and saying hey can we be here and in that case we we get half the proceeds but i appreciate half the proceeds going to those stores too so right. i'm all about bookstores okay that is what i was actually about to ask because like being ignorant in this world is tough and that's what my life is i was about to ask like how does it get to the stores like so you contact the store to get it in their inventory they don't contact you Okay. okay and then um i notice uh yeah you start having fun and you forget that time exists you do have another appointment coming up here i do yeah i'm sorry to have to leave y'all but i'll transit i need to transition about five minutes all right uh what, what was there any uh any, any any closeout remarks here um i guess we could do closeout remarks but also where we can get in touch with everybody would be helpful i yeah. think and also like i know it's still early but is there going to be a sequel you know we're definitely doing uh focusing on promo this this year like big time so we're really grateful to be having this conversation with you all we also have an upcoming uh book talk we're one of four books that the drug policy alliance has chosen to um chosen to highlight this year so that's may 24th um and some some things going on and i i you know i would love to see how this collective of amazing folks grows and and what else we put out i know one thing we have talked about is trying to organize a tedx event and yes. so that's like a, a big thing that we're like let's do this um and then yeah i mean and, and we're really trying to put out different pathways to get in touch there is a contact form on our website um especially if you want to leave a review that we can put on our website you can contact us through there um, I can drop my handles in the chat too about half of what I'm doing in life right now is related to this anthology so if you want to if you want to see things related to it um, appreciate you know retweets reposts likes anything to kind of get our algorithms up mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah I'll go ahead and drop my socials right now awesome thank you okay yeah. All right. That, that yeah, that looks good. You had something. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, uh, Mona and Amir, if you also wanted to drop any, um, I don't know, an Instagram, Twitter's, anything where you would like to be followed. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Um, for Twitter, you can find me at Naughty N O T T E underscore Mona, uh, and on Instagram as Mona underscore Naughty two zero six. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Two zero six. Okay, I mean, two, five, three is also pretty cool, but you know. Hey. <laughs> um, for me, <clears throat> on Instagram, um, Hozar Healers and Sacred Stripper um, are my places you can follow me for my work. My personal Finsta, where I also talk about my work, is Halal Coochie, C-U-C-C-I. Um, if you want to join our community of healers, you can do it at hosarhealers.com. If you want to browse downloadable resources that I have for sex workers using spiritual gifts to stay safe, um, you can do that at sacredstripper.com. And if you want more info about breaking generational curses, that's rootchakradis.love. That's the website and that's also the Instagram. 
Okay, perfect. Thank you. I'm taking all these notes now. <laughs> all right. I, I think I think we have our material and that okay. this amount, it will take me about five hours to edit and it will be up on uh, the, the podcast audio will be up by 3 p.m. Sunday. Uh, the video will be a little bit more raw than the podcast audio, but it's not going to be like grimy. You know, so that yeah, that'll be up and it, it will be dope and we'll uh we'll put the links up and you'll you'll be able to see and say, Oh, this this was all right. You yes. know. To, yes. And then uh and well, yeah, I guess Fiends Kalita has uh everyone's uh contact information so yes. that you know we can, you know, schedule to reconvene, uh talk about spirituality, other topics, uh, just riff in general, right? Yeah, like, I support it. I support yeah, it. Cause, like a platform's a platform when you're marginalized. Let's yeah. talk. Let's talk be until they shut us up. And they will. <laughs> and they will. <laughs> but yes. No, I fully support that. Fully, fully. So yes, thank you once again for coming on Swapcast. Um, I'm so excited. I'm going to be ordering this book. Uh, I was actually going to wait until my birthday, but I might get it a little bit sooner because it sounds amazing and I want to read it now. But thank you so much, everyone, for coming on. And one more time, what's the website where we can order your book from? Yeah, thank you so, so much for having us. This was such a beautiful conversation. And I, I mean, Phoenix, Amira, Mona, I learn from you all every time. Like, I'm just like, yes, I need to be in more spaces with badass folks. So thank you so much. And one more time, our website is www.towardsbodilyautonomy.com. Thank you. Perfect. Okay. All right. And I'm, I think thank I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the Zoom thing open so I can grab these links. All right, everyone, be as safe as you possibly can wherever you are.